Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. I want to start by asking you a simple question. Do you remember what it feels like to longingly wait for something? This past week, I was longingly waiting to get better from the flu. From Monday to Thursday, I was just laying in my bed, sickest I've been in well over a decade. I can't remember the last time. Advent took on new layers of meaning as I laid there, and all I could do was think about how badly I wanted to get better but was powerless to make it happen any quicker. And in some ways, that's what Advent is all about, waiting for what only God can do. Thankfully, by the way, I'm fully recovered now. I'm a little on the weaker side still, but not contagious, still playing it really safe. I'm not going to come hug or kiss anybody. I'm not really going to come out and be in the foyer. I'm not even sharing mics with Heather just because it was so nasty. I didn't want to pass it on to anyone. And three of my kids have it right now at home, and my wife is home with them. So praise the Lord. I was longingly waiting to get better. I remember as a kid longingly waiting for summer. Does anybody remember that? Remember how amazing the vision of the summer would be? That really changes in adulthood when you have kids because summer now means the kids are at home all the time. You don't long for it the same way. I remember as a 15-year-old kid longingly waiting to turn 16 so I could get my driver's license. I was one of those kids who had all the tests ready and everything was ready to go, so as soon as I turned 16, I could hit the road. I remember longingly waiting for a spouse, and I'm so thankful for my wife, Jessica. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys are still praying for a future spouse. I remember longingly waiting to have kids. Now I longingly wait for those kids to go to bed, if you know what I mean. Sometimes we're waiting to finish a degree, get a promotion, get a raise, Sometimes we're waiting for things that are really heartbreaking. We're waiting to meet an estranged parent or child or someone that we love that we never got to know. One of our staff members, Oscar Brajas Jr., we all know that he right now is longingly waiting to see the new Spider-Man on opening night on Thursday this week. (laughs) And his family. (laughs) My oldest daughter, I remember about five or six years ago, we were at an amusement park And there was this ride called the Zero Gravity Ride. That's where you stand up in this big circle and it starts spinning and you just get stuck to the wall and then it goes sideways. You guys know what I'm talking about? And she was at that age where for whatever reason, she latched onto that ride and desperately wanted to be tall enough to ride the Zero Gravity Thriller. And of course, as a parent, I had no idea if she was gonna be tall enough or not. She's, She's been tall for her age and it becomes a very public scene there. And we were with friends and a bunch of people that were going to be riding it. And it came down to the moment of truth. And of course, we're just praying, God, please let her be tall enough. And she was just a little bit under. And the poor like 15-year-old kid working the ride has to like crush her dreams and be like, sorry, sweetheart, you can't, you can't ride. And Novi, she, she was like six or seven. I can't remember how old she was. But she literally burst into tears and ran. You know, she was embarrassed. She started running through the park. She was longingly waiting to ride that ride, and her dream got ripped from her. I'm going to finish that story at the end of the sermon. You know, in life, 
It is actually built into us. We are hardwired to long for love, to long for connection. We have that in us. And scripture says that God put eternity in our heart. So I, I believe this. We have hearts that long for everlasting love. And it's almost that thing, everlasting love doesn't even fully articulate it. That thing that we all ache for, that we search for, that we know we want, but we're not even sure what it is. It's like our hearts have seen a vision of love that is so compelling and complete that it beckons us to do everything we can to find it, to give our all and wait in eager anticipation for the fulfillment of that promise. You know what I mean? It's that inner longing. What is it? Well, I believe God put that there. But then we face the reality of a very broken world and very imperfect love. And a lot of times we do see some beautiful love, but we see a lot of imperfect love. And we get hurt in some way within our family of origin to varying degrees. Of course, some of you were born into abusive situations and it's a whole nother level. And the longing of your heart that is there when you're just a little toddler starts to get let down and broken and abused. Then we get a little bit older and we realize we relate to other human beings in this world and they start to let us down. Then we get older and we get into romantic interests and we get let down there and we stay in this posture of waiting. Even when we end up in really healthy, loving relationships, uh, we know that those things don't completely fulfill that longing either. It's like God has put this thing in us this ache for everlasting love that can only be fulfilled in him. And that's what this Advent season is all about. It's reminding ourselves that we are in this posture of waiting for what only God can fulfill, this need that he has put inside of us. Two weeks ago, we lit the first candle of Advent, hope. And Heather shared a brilliant message that I would encourage you to check out if you missed it. Last week, I shared about peace and we lit the candle of peace. Today, we lit the third candle, the candle of love. I like what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about Advent. Those who learn to wait are uneasy about their way of life, but yet have seen a vision of greatness in the world of the future and are patiently expecting its fulfillment. The celebration of Advent is, possibly, is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Jesus affirmed this in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's something about Advent that beckons us to pause and say, God, we thank you for the richness of your blessing. But we also understand our hearts are still in a posture of longing to see what only you can fulfill in us and in the world. And we're desperate for that. And this is part of the reality of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now and it is not yet. So it's not ungrateful to stay in that posture of longing. I think God wants us to be there. We're grateful for everything God has done, everything he's fulfilled, but we long for the fulfillment of all of his promises. All you gotta do is look around our world. Just look at what happened a couple nights ago and the devastation that occurs. Just look at the last few weeks. We long for his appearing and for his promise to be fulfilled. Part of Advent is remembering Jesus' birth, which they had longed for for over 400 years since that, really longer than that, not hearing anything from the Lord, and then the birth of Jesus. Part of Advent is also looking towards his return, the renewal of all things, new heavens, new earth. We believe that. 
And a simple teaching today on this third week of Advent about love is gonna be about four ways to be refreshed in God's love this Christmas. 1 John 4, 7 through 12, you'll see it on screen. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. I love that verse. I love that one line, love comes from God. Number one, remember that love does not even exist apart from God, who is love. This can change everything for us this Christmas, this simple idea. If you're not familiar with the field of study called apologetics, it is the field of study that it makes the case for Christianity. It's, it makes a defense for the faith. And one of the primary arguments is called intelligent design. He's totally fine, by the way, or she. We love little babies here. Intelligent design says this. If I were walking in the woods and I picked up a perfectly functioning Swiss watch and I looked at it and I didn't know what it was, but I started to understand that it was very precise instrument that had a a precise function and I saw all of the intricacy and the gears and how it worked, my first thought would be how amazing is this watch that just appeared from nature that came out of nowhere? No, my inclination would be how amazing that someone created this. There was an intelligent designer of this watch. In fact, there were many intelligent designers, including engineers and people that end up actually putting it together. And then if you use that metaphor to understand the universe, you look at the universe, you look at our earth, the little even unnoticeable dot in the midst of this universe. And then you look at each of us, human bodies, an unnoticeable dot on this earth. My human body this week healed itself. That's crazy. We just act like that's nothing. Four days ago, I thought I was gonna die and no medicine could help me. Doctor couldn't help me. And I was just, you know, crying out to God, save me. (laughs) And my body healed itself. And today I'm perfectly fine. That is absolutely miraculous. And in the same way that we wouldn't look at this intricate, beautiful, complex design, far more than a Swiss watch would be, the intelligent design argument says that there must be intelligent design of this masterpiece, right? There must be an intelligent design behind it. All that being said, this whole masterpiece of the universe would be so very shallow apart from this radical and life-altering thing called love. And what this scripture says is that love comes from God. And it is a wonderful thing to rest in this Christmas. Wait a second. Let's not take for granted that when we receive love and give love, we are participating in the divine nature of the living God. We are participating in something that only comes from him, would not exist apart from him. And it will build your faith when you realize how profound and beautiful and powerful it is to love. I believe love and the fact that it only exists because of God is the greatest apologetic of all, even more so than intelligent design and a lot of the other arguments. I think love is the greatest argument for the existence of a God who cares. Reading on in the text, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. Look at that line again. This is how God showed us his love. He sent his one and only son 
into the world that we might live through him. That's what we're remembering at Christmas. The theological word for that is the incarnation. God becomes man. Number two, remember that what we celebrate during Christmas is literally the demonstration of God's perfect love for you. And I want you to make that very personal. You could put me in that fill-in if you want to. I am praying that you will be reinvigorated by the wonder of God's perfect love for you. I mean, it is no stretch of biblical truth to say that everything we're celebrating over Christmas is yes, God loved the world, yes, God loves every person, but I just wanna remind you, God did this for you. He actually loves you, he actually likes you. He, he sees you, knows you, and loves you. So you can chill out a little bit. You can relax a little bit. You can stop spinning your wheels trying to figure your life out and earn acceptance or earn love. He loves you. He has done all this for you. He is behind you. He is in front of you. He is on both sides of you. He is your heavenly father. He's consumed with you. And it's not like a mushy-gushy kind of thing, though I think that's part of it, but it's much deeper than that. Like any good father, I think it is like the mushy-gushy, oh, look up, I love my sons and my daughters. But it's also this, this rock of unshakable, unconditional love. And I'm praying that you will be reinvigorated by that this Christmas because the more you can get that, the more it changes everything in your life. It changes all of it. My three-year-old boy has this habit right now that I know won't last much longer but it's so much fun. Every time we say I love you in the house, like good night, I love you, as kind of like the final word, um, he has to stop and go through the list of all the love in our family. He's like, oh yeah, I know. We love Clay, we love Nessa, I love Kenzie, I love Novi, I love mom, I love dad, I love Mimi, I love Papa. Sometimes he throws in I love Kick, I love Jackson. He'll throw in some of the older boys in the church that play with him a lot. And, and, uh, and then it's so cute and he's just recounting the love of the family, and then I'll be like, yes, that's right, and, and I love you, Clay, and then I'll be like, yes, you love Novi, I love Kenzie, I love Nessa, literally, I mean, it's like so adorable every time, and one of the things I love about it is he includes himself in the list, and a lot of times, we as adults and even as followers of Christ, we're really good at listing everyone else that God loves, but we leave ourselves off the list. And, and, and the way that manifests sometimes is we show others way more compassion than sometimes we'll show ourselves. I only know this from pastoral care, but I feel like 50% of the Christians that I, that, I, that I meet with have some form of just like constant negative self-talk, even to the point of uh, self, self-loathing and self-hatred. And I just want to not embarrass you for that. Because it's a normal part of humanity. The longer you go, the more you have to regret and the more people you hurt and the more you let yourself down, the more you let others down, the more you feel like you let God down, the more the plans for your life haven't shaped up. Like there's all these things that potentially stack up against you to eventually just feel like, man, I'm worthless. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I'm right there with you. It's so, it's so easy, especially in such a comparison culture where we're in everybody else's business constantly and, 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 and we're just down on ourselves, And we can do that in our spirituality. And churches can sometimes add a steady diet to that. Everything you're doing is wrong. Everything you're doing is wrong. And I'm not saying we don't talk about sin. We have to. But I'm saying we have to accept 
what God has said of us as his beloved sons and daughters. We just have to. It's part of your discipleship to get self-hatred out of your mind. Like self-hatred is actually sin. Self-loathing is actually sin. God doesn't want that for you. Even when I'm the most angry at one of my kids, when they've most let me down about something, I still want them to know my love for them is absolutely secure and in place, and I want them to count on it, right? So it doesn't matter where you are in, where you feel like you are in your relationship with God at all, his love is a rock for you. And everything in our life with Christ begins by encountering that love. It doesn't begin by encountering a whip. It doesn't begin by encountering a God that we believe is angry at us. It's this, it's this beautiful mystery, but we encounter the love of God and we become convicted of our sin at the same time. And yes, we have guilt for sin, but God has dealt with it. And I'm gonna talk about that in a few moments. Reading on in the text, this is love, not that we loved God. Again, this is so rich. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the core of his love for us. It is, again, a great apologetic, the case for the faith of Christianity. There is not, no other religion that even holds a candle or has anything like this that says, you can't earn a thing, but Jesus has done everything for you and comes to you right where you are. The message and the love that we're talking about here is not that you loved God. So if you feel like you've done a poor job, good. That means you're being honest. If you feel like you're killing it, it means you're a self-righteous Pharisee. <laughs> I just, that just came out. It's true. Like when we feel like we're, when we feel like, man, I'm doing so great. And I not, don't, I'm not saying you can't pat yourself on the back for growth, but when, right, when righteousness that God gives us as a gift becomes this sense of self-righteousness, um, we're headed down a wrong path. Again, blessed are the poor in spirit. I lost my train of thought because I realized I dropped that bomb and I was like looking around. <laughs> it is not that we loved God. My point was, if you feel like you have not loved God perfectly, good. It means you're honest. You're not honest if you feel like you've loved God perfectly. The gospel is that he has loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So number three, piggybacks on number two. Receive afresh the love of God and the forgiveness of your sins. And if you need to do that for the first time, you can do it right now. Or if you need to do it for the first time in a long time, you can say, God, I don't, I don't know all the answers to this. I don't understand everything about you, but I wanna know you and I wanna receive forgiveness for my sin. Pray that in your heart even as I say it. And then even for you that have served the Lord for decade after decade after decade, continue to stay in touch with your need for God. If you lose touch with your need for forgiveness, you lose touch with the greatness of his love, period. And the most mature Christians that I know, when they're in their 60s, 70s, and 80s, and a lot of them are here in this church, they're like Paul, and at the end of their life, they say, rather than I'm the greatest, they say I'm the chief of sinners. And that's what Paul said at the end of his life because you're just more aware of your deep, deep need. But you're also more aware of this great, great love. They grow together. 
I like how Brennan Manning said it, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. We're gonna wrap up looking at verse 11. Dear friends, and verse 12, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Look at that again. No one has seen him. We've met him. We've encountered him. I know the Lord. The way I've seen him is through his body. The way I've seen him is through the love of God, of the people of God. Look what it says. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The gravity of that statement means that the only way to live in the completeness of God's love is through loving one another. It can't be fulfilled apart from that. That's why, that's why there's no John Wayne Christianity. There's no like, I am by myself and I will get it done and I have everything I need in the Lord. I'm like, high five, you need the body. High five, you need your neighbor. High five, you need your enemy. Like it, all of that gets, thank you, talk about it. All of that gets formed. Jackson, that was good, that was good. Talk about it, all right, I will. All of that gets formed through those relationships. It's a great thing to do at Christmas. And by the way, it's amazing how many inconveniences you can endure when you make your Christmas season about loving others. You can either live it frustrated and trying to fulfill your own goals, which are gonna get blocked constantly, or you can turn the inconveniences into things that maybe you don't just endure, but you can have a little bit of joy because it's a different kind of happiness when you make it about loving someone else. It's a beautiful invitation. It's one of the reasons I love this ministry, Lost Angels. Take a look at this video for just a couple minutes. My name is Steven. I am the co-founder of Lost Angels. And what we do is we deliver toys, footballs, basketballs, coats, backpacks, uh, gloves to the underprivileged children and teenagers of Williamson County, Tennessee. My buddy Dove Shore and I started Lost Angels back in 2004. We were uh, both fresh out of drug and alcohol rehab and we were living in a sober living. One thing about getting sober is you, you look back at your life and for us, for me, looking back at my life, I, was, I realized what a taker I was and all I did was take and um, we wanted to give back. We were so grateful for this new lease on life that we had found um, that we wanted to give back. So we started Lost Angels. What I think separates Lost Angels from a lot of the donation centers is we actually go bring the toys to the kids on Christmas morning. There might be a single mom that's either drug addicted, doesn't have a car, um, 
whatever the problem is, she's not going to get her kid um, to the donation center on Christmas morning. So what we do is we get a whole bunch of us, we meet at a church parking lot on Christmas morning, and we go out and we hit all the trailer parks, and, and it is an awesome, awesome way to give back. And since we've been doing this, I, I've, I've never experienced a better Christmas. Um, a way to spend Christmas uh, than doing this. So we would love to have you guys join us, uh, your families join us on Christmas morning. If you can't do that, just when you're out buying presents, please um, buy something extra and uh, we'll be happy to come pick it up and deliver it for you on Christmas morning. God bless you guys and um, thank you from us at uh, Lost Angels Nashville. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, great ministry. Obviously, the Hulays, some of our church family here. Uh, my wife and I and our kids are going to participate with that this year. So you can bring toys in uh, right here to our facility. Uh, buy nice stuff, new toys. And uh, what we're going to do is just do it with our kids and make it a beautiful part of our tradition. And then on Christmas Day at 12 noon, uh, we'll bring all those toys and we'll all meet up over at the church parking lot of Church of the City in Franklin, their main campus there. Uh, their pastor there is a good friend of mine. And the reason we gather there, because then we caravan all together to the neighborhood that's pretty close to their church there, where we go and drop off the toys. So it's going to be really fun. Uh, you can donate toys, of course, without coming to drop them off as well. And it's just another uh, really small thing for us to do to make Christmas season all about letting the love of God flow through us to others. Um, as uh, Jackson and Rochelle come up, I'm going to finish that story about Novi to close the sermon. So she she runs off, as I mentioned, and her longing and waiting was unfulfilled because she was too short for the ride, and I found her on a little park bench at the amusement park crying as if the world was over, you know? And one of the things Jess and I believe about parenting is we don't want to minimize our kids' emotions. So I sat down with her. And I'm not saying we always do, we always get this right, but I sat down with her and I just said, I know it's, it's such a bummer when you're not tall enough for the ride. And I said, you don't know this about your dad yet, but I'm a short guy. <laughs> and it took me a long time to be able to ride rides, a lot longer than it's going to take you. And uh, it's really frustrating, isn't it, when you're really hoping for something uh, and then it can't happen. And she's crying and she's like, yes, it's terrible. I want to go home. I, no one, I don't want anyone to see me. I, I just, I, I can't live anymore. And and then, of course, I, I switched gears on her and said, you know what, sweetheart, I can, I can guarantee you, you're going to grow that next half inch needed to ride that zero gravity thriller. <laughs> In other words, your future is more set than you realize. And your ultimate destination, my sweet daughter, is actually in place. And there's something that happens when we start to have true certainty about our future, it makes waiting a lot easier. Let's say it this way. When we know the God of perfect love, it completely changes how we wait. Imagine us on a park bench like I was with my little daughter. Imagine we're all on the park bench together. And the voice of our father reminds us today that our future, specifically the deepest longings of your heart, the things that are hardwired into you that you don't even know why, 
the things you have the most pain about, the things you have the most hunger for, will all be fulfilled one way or another in the person of Jesus Christ in your eternal home. There is a guaranteed destination that you are on a trajectory towards in Christ. And there is something about reminding ourselves that that will allow our hearts again to hope for a future that we know is guaranteed and totally transforms how we wait. Totally transforms how we rest when we're longing. Are you tracking with me? So my question for you is, do you know the God of love? Or do you wanna know the God of love more? Or do you wanna be reinvigorated by the perfect love of God for you? Father, we thank you for your incredible patience and mercy and grace with us. It's unfathomable, really. It's only understood by this word, love. Just remind us that this thing that we track in called love, this thing that we long for, this even this everlasting love that we're created for, that sometimes we don't even know we want, it comes from you. It's part of your nature. It's part of your image. So we just receive it. We just say yes to it, Lord. We don't have all the answers about life. We don't fully understand everything. We don't know every right decision to make. But when we can sit in this reality and when we can be built up in your love, we then pray that that would pour through us, God. Reframe everything about the Christmas season, I pray, through the lens of us just offering this love. Church, let's sing this beautiful modern hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, as we just respond uh, prayerfully in our hearts. Before I pray this benediction, I want to take a play out of the book of Mr. Rogers. And he might have done a minute. I'm going to do 30 seconds because we're a little over on time. But he once asked everyone at an award show to just pause for a minute and think only about those that have loved you well throughout your life. But we're going to add another spin to that. I want you to think about those that have loved you well throughout your life and understand that that is God expressed to you because love comes from God. Go now in the freedom of the gospel of Christ. Encourage one another to lead lives worthy of God and walk together in service and humility. Let your words and your lives be one in Christ and may the God of lasting love open the way before you. May Jesus the Messiah be your one instructor and may the Holy Spirit lead you on into the promised land of God's kingdom and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have a great afternoon.